Welcome back to Awakening Reformation, where Reformation awakens now. My name is Grant, and joined with me is my beautiful wife, Erica, the weaker vessel. Hello! And also joined with us, Scotty and Sandra Rollett. Hey! Hi! And if you would like to get to know more about Awakening Reformation podcast, go to rebelalliancemedia.com. You will find blog posts and video series and two other podcasts in the network. One is a church history podcast that we do with our kids called Fathers of the Faith for Covenant Kids. That comes out on Mondays. And then P. Nate and Poots up in Canada put out a podcast called Rebels Podcast, and that comes out on Wednesdays. We ask that you go like, share, rate, review in iTunes or your favorite podcast catcher on all of our social media accounts. It really helps us get the content out, and we also love engaging with you all. Y'all. We still have Advent going on. Go check that out if you haven't already. Well, hopefully they're doing Advent. Hopefully they love their families enough to, like, you know, study the birth of Christ. I'm just saying. Dang, coming down fire and brimstone. Kind of like it, though. <laughs> I like the way you played that. Um, you know, I just figured, you know, maybe I'd, like, hit a heartstring there or something. If you're not doing it, you're wrong. If you're not doing it, why do you hate your children? Why don't you love Jesus? <laughs> kind of what we say about Jesus baptism. You. Exactly. You haven't baptized your kids yet? Why do you hate them? <laughs> <laughs> yes, Scotty. Why do you hate them? Yes, Scotty. So, why, Scotty? Why do you hate your children, Scotty? Why? I just feel so attacked right now. <laughs> <laughs> just say, like, I'm in the process of repenting or something like that. Sheesh. <laughs> well, <laughs> none of this is staying on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in the sixth level of repentance right it's now. Like, and, uh, I'm, just, I'm working the steps out. It's like, I'm still recovering from that new. New believer, what is it, new members class. (laughs) Alright, so we are going to get back into our Burkhoff series tonight, and the topic tonight, as we are making our way through his Manual of Christian Doctrine, and so we find ourselves in this section on the names of God. And of course, the names of God reveal to us his characteristics, and reveal a lot about himself to us through the names that he has given us to call him. And so that's what we're going to talk about tonight. So we're going to jump right in. Awesome. The the names of God in general. The Bible often speaks of the name of God in the singular, as, for instance, in Exodus 27 and Psalm 8.1. When it does this, it does not refer to any special designation of God, but uses the term in a very general sense to denote his self-revelation. The one general name of God is split up into his many special names, which are expressive of his many-sided being. The names of God are of divine origin and not of human invention, though they are derived from human language. That was kind of important to note, that the names are divine and not created by humans, like he determined what we would call him, mm-hmm. though he does use human language to communicate what he wants us to call him. Ben Emery, a fellow rebel, did a blog post a few weeks ago that talked about language, and I think that, t- I don't remember, so I'm not going to try to say it, 
but he mentioned how all language is symbolic. You know, when you see, when I see Erica in my, you know, text messages, it's not you there. It's, it's symbolic of you as a person. And God's language to us is all symbolic, which is important to note when he gives us the names of his attributes. It, it is symbolic of a greater reality, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. And so I think, yeah, it's really good to to point out that even though God has used human languages to reveal himself to us, it's still him revealing it to us. He's still the one that is deciding what we know about him and how we know him. So he basically breaks up the names of God into Old Testament names and New Testament names. Yeah. So starting with the Old Testament names of God, there are certain names which direct attention to the fact that God is high, exalted, transcendent. Well, one of the earliest names, not the earliest, because Genesis calls God Elohim, and this is Hebrew. The majority of the Old Testament is written in Hebrew. But one of the earliest names used of God is by uh, Melchizedek. And Melchizedek was called a priest of the God Most High. God Most High was El Elyon. Mm -hmm. And again, like you just said, that what does that reveal to us? Most high. So it could be a God high up there in the heavens over a bunch of things. But when we call him most high, obviously it's showing us something of his character and of who he is by that name. Drawing the creature creator distinction to you that mm-hmm. though there are kings and lords and things on earth, he's above them. Right. It, it points to supremacy. Mm-hmm. That exalted nature of God. I feel like you should be pronouncing all the, the Hebrew for us, Grant. I'm just saying. I look at him like, yeah, I don't think I'm going to say that word. I'll just I'll just let Grant fill in there. <laughs> the Hebrew word El, just E-L, is God. Anytime you see even a name like Bethel, mm-hmm. the location, the city, Bethel is the house of God. Beth or Bet is house L is God, house of God is is that name. So usually any name or any place that you see E-L at the end of it will have some kind of... Or at the of, beginning. Some kind of, yeah, or at the beginning, like Elohim, mm-hmm. will have it. It's referring to God or God is in the name of that place mm-hmm. or that person. God obviously revealed different names for himself at different times. And these were usually connected to a specific purpose at that time that was relevant to the current situation, if that makes sense. Pertain to their current situation. Yeah. And so I I think on on the mountain when Abraham is about to offer Isaac as a sacrifice to the Lord, one of the names in that passage is the Lord provides. And it's because God provided a sacrifice, the ram caught in the thicket, to be sacrificed instead instead of Isaac. And so Again, an attribute of God is revealed in a name of God the Lord provides, Jehovah Jireh. Keep that in mind when you're seeing the different names of God throughout the Bible. They're probably relevant to the context. It's all about context. Yep. Context, context, context. Okay, so there are other names which point to the fact that this exalted being condescended to enter into a friendship with his creatures. In patriarchal times, it was especially the name Shaddai or El Shaddai, that served this purpose. Yeah, El Shaddai being God Almighty. And we see that often in the Old Testament. He went into how um, these names can, you know, indicate that God controls all the powers of nature and that, that they are subservient to his purposes. Yep. And that's another thing that points to the supremacy of 
all these names, they're all pointing to what you just said, that he is sovereign and in control and supreme. He, he is, like, literally in control of the words that we use. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so true. Well, in Exodus uh, 6-3, uh, it says, I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. Yep. But by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. Yeah, so what he's saying is, to them, I revealed myself as El Shaddai, and to you, Moses, I'm revealing myself as Yahweh, which has been known to be the name for the God of grace. And this ends up being the covenantal name for God. So if you are in a covenantal relationship with God, favorable covenantal relationship with God, that is what you call God. Yahweh is his name for his covenant people. Mm -hmm. Elohim was a general term for a ruler or something like that. But as soon as you throw in Yahweh, now you know you're talking about the God of heaven and earth, the God of Israelites, the God who claims to be the only true God mm -hmm. that has created everything and rules all people and the one God that all people owe obedience and allegiance to. Yahweh is also used in Exodus uh, 3.14 when God is speaking to Moses and says, God said to Moses, I am who I am. Mm -hmm. And he said, say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. It's the verb be, as uh, Burkhoff says, yeah. the unchangeableness of God. Mm -hmm. It's that designation. Exactly. I am who I am. Unchanging. Self-existent. That's, that's what it's going to be. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. really good. It implies the immutability of the divine being, yeah. but points more directly to the fact that God is unchangeable in his covenant relationship, like you were talking about. We're going to move on to the New Covenant or the New Testament names of God. The New Testament simply uses the Greek equivalents for the Hebrew names of the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. So, one of the first, yeah, so the most commonly used one would be Theos. Yep. Theos just simply means God. It's one of the most common names, like you said. It can be rendered as, like, the most high. It's frequently found with a genitive of possession, as in my God or thy God, our God, your God. Yeah. Uh, and I like how Burkhoff, he kind of went in and he says, because in Christ God may be regarded as the God of all and of each one of his children. So basically you're taking a word that is general and making it more personal. There's a place for the individual in religion. Exactly. As Burkhoff says. So the second word is... Kodios. Sure, that. Yes, kodios. Oh, uh, good job, Scott. So this is the word to Lord, a uh, name that is applied not only to God, but also to Christ. Uh, in the New Testament, it appears 740 times, wow. uh, usually yep. referring to Jesus. Yep. So uh, as an understanding that it's putting Jesus and God on that same plane. Like Jesus was deity. Yeah. So it's an indication yes. of Jesus' deity. You can go to Matthew 23, 24. Uh, at the end of 23 you have people talking to jesus uh in the temple uh by what authority are you doing these things they asked and who gave you this authority jesus replied i will also ask you one question if you answer me i will tell you by what authority i'm doing these things and it goes on uh where did 
John's baptism come from? And yeah, uh, was it from heaven or was it human origin? And basically, it's just going back to Kyrios by definition is uh, authority. It's more particular. It's uh, a regal power and authority over his people. Apostles using this term for Jesus indicates that they too believed that he was God. And I know there has been much ink spilt and word said about whether the apostles believed whether Jesus was deity or not. But just the fact that they are using that word hundreds of times to say, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, my Lord Jesus, um, shows that they did believe that he was God. Well, I think because we see that word, I mean, it's used so much. It's so prevalent in scripture. We don't really stop and think what it means. Yeah. What the word Lord actually means. And we don't even use that word anymore. No. It's not even a common word that's used in just normal conversation. Lord Grantham. That's probably the last time I really <laughs> used that word. A little Downton Abbey throwback. Um, but Christians were legit losing their lives for using this word. Yeah. In the first century, if you called anyone else Lord, that was treason because Caesar demanded to be called Lord, to be called Lord mm-hmm. and God and to be given sole allegiance. And the Christians, these crazy Christians, were calling this guy Jesus Lord, kudios, you know? Well, when Jesus was being crucified um, and he was on trial, that was exactly what the crowd was, was saying, is that we have no other Lord besides right. Caesar. He's our only Lord. Yeah, no king. The Caesar. Mm-hmm. A little bit of hashtag that post mill with this too is he's Lord now. Yeah. Like throughout all the epistles, he was being called Lord, which means ruler of everything, not just Christians, like everything. Not just the heavens. Yeah, not just the heavens, like everything. So notice that too. Pay attention to that too. When and you know what? If you're, if you are being an awesome listener and you are doing the advent, you will see that common theme woven throughout the Advent. It's true. Because you just can't help but see Jesus as Lord in Scripture. Yeah. Yep. It's everywhere. New Testament, Old Testament, all the prophets, I mean, all the Gospels. It's just, it's everywhere. You cannot escape it unless you legit just... Don't like it and ignore don't it. Don't like it and interpret it funny ways. In which case you should read Romans 1 and people who suppress the truth have, it doesn't, it doesn't have end trouble well. coming to them. It doesn't end well. One of the differences with Kyrios and Jehovah Adnan is that it designates God as the possessor and the ruler of all things but particularly his people but it's basically he he is in possession and ruling at, at the time yeah. meaning that he has control over it. Hashtag that, that post mail. all right so the last name in the new testament used for god that burkhoff emphasizes is the word pater and he says that some people thought or some people say that this is a new name for god that's introduced in the new testament but he points out that in several places in the old testament god is referred to as the father of israel and Israel is also often referred to as the Son of God, and the name is also used in the same sense in the New Testament, where God is our Father, and I think a lot of us probably pray this way too, mm-hmm. praying to, you know, Heavenly Father or just Father, and Jesus taught us to pray that way, our Father mm-hmm. who is in heaven. It just points to the relationship we have to God through our 
union with brother Jesus, who has made us co-heirs and and now children of God. It's John 1 that talks about us being given the right to be called the children of God. And I know there's a couple places in the New Testament that refer to God as Father kind of generally because he's creator, but more often than not, the term Father given for God in the New Testament really points to a unique relationship of people to him. Romans 8 is the best one, talking about the spirit bearing witness within us, crying out, Abba, Father, and that deep relationship we have with God because of our union with Christ. You know what came to my mind? What? Gloria Patri, also known as Glory Be to the Father. Yep. Is it a full hymn? We should all just break out in song and start singing Gloria Patri. I'll let you take that one, Erica. How's it start? Glory be to the Father. And to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Amen. When Eddie sings that song, he gets so into it. It's hilarious. Go in peace and have a blessed Sorry, Wednesday. We don't, we don't sing that church, that song at our church. We sing Good, Good Father. Yeah, we don't sing that song in our church either. It's okay. So we're not going to refer to that as an instance of him being referred to as father. But he is a good, 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 good. He's good extra father. good. How do you estimate how many goods... Uh, in James one seventeen, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. Tell you what, that song oh. is not one of those gifts that came down from above. <laughs> you know, any benefit to what has been said will be all lost if we leave anything in about good, good father. Oh, we're leaving it in. <laughs> you have to take it out. Oh, it's in. It can't. You're editing it because you know I'll take it out, and if you're serious right now... I'm leaving Sandra's song in there. Oh... No, you're not, girl. <laughs> Scott, she's like, I know I we... Kill I will kill you. I know we besties, but shoot, girl. <laughs> it might just be what God uses to soften the hearts to the gospel, Sandra. Or harden them. <laughs> All right. Well, I hope uh, learning the names of God and how they relate to his character and his being was helpful and beneficial to you. I really enjoyed it. Did you guys have fun? Yeah, it's all right. Right. It's, it's cool. It was a good time. Alright, well, thank you for joining us for another bit of bite-sized Burkhoff. And we pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened by the power of the Spirit. And until next time, get woke. Yeah. Let's start with the microphone check. One, two, first. Water to the dry and weary soul of the true church. The kind of things that few search. They say that the truth hurts. Well, this pain is gained, so let's explain the new birth. First things first, can't neglect this at the start. I must preface my remarks with the deadness of the heart from original sin. The effects of the fall. The sin of our first parents brought death to us all. Since Adam was our federal head, what he did counted for us. In him were all rebels and dead. Yo, captured in the mind, disaster, sin and crimes in a Dark state, Alaska in the winter time, sour in our frames. Left to ourselves, we be devoured in the flames. Cause we're powerless to change. If you feel that way, I pray that you respond happily. As you see what Jesus had to say in John chapter 3.
peep this, you'll see that verse 1 is my thesis It's the deepest truth that should get you speechless What scripture teaches will fill in the missing pieces Picture Jesus meeting up with Nicodemus Perhaps it was fright about the other Pharisees' wicked spite against Christ that turned this into naked night He called the rabbi and gave him props Said he was a teacher from God Jesus replied, made him stop Regarding the kingdom of God, no one's going in In fact, you can't even see it unless you're born again That must have consumed and stretched his mind Cause he said, can a man enter his mother's womb a second time? Naturalistically, the only way for him to hear it Jesus said you must be born of the water and the spirit No other way to enter heaven That sounds like Ezekiel 36, 25 to 27 In this new birth, the spirit is the source and the agent The water symbolizes spiritual purification Flesh can only produce flesh, that's true and factual Regenerating work of the spirit is supernatural It's kinda like the wind, which is free East to west can't perceive the steps You can only see its effects in the same way The Holy Spirit chooses who he pleases To sovereignly open their eyes to the truth of Jesus For the spirit's mysterious operation uh-huh. We will all be under serious condemnation I'd still be rejecting the sun If God hadn't said let there be light Like Genesis 1 yeah. And just like the light could not refuse to shine Irresistible grace has renewed my mind Let's exalt the king who died and truly is risen The new birth is not the effect of human decision But the cause It changes our natural habitation and situation It's a radical transformation I was cursed and polluted So my dirt was inexcusable With new internal his person is beautiful, his worth is indisputable The lamb is amazing, a standing ovation for his work in the crucible So let us respond with true worship and love To the God who was given new birth from above yeah.